Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of No BS with Brian and Susan, episode eight. It is June. It's the middle of June. It's almost Father's Day, so we're doing one for the fathers. You know, this episode is titled Dad to the Bone. My pick, Susan, had a different title in mind for this Father's Day episode. Susan, enlighten us. Well, I thought about who's your daddy, (laughs) but I didn't like it. It didn't feel right. (laughs) Oh, Susan, it's so fun and so good to talk with you again. We are No BS with Brian and Susan. We're here. It's hot as fuck in June in Mm -hmm. Texas. It hasn't rained in like two months. And uh, yeah, it is a beautiful Thursday afternoon, morning-ish, and uh, Susan, just so excited to be doing episode eight. It's been eight. This is episode eight. Oh my gourd. I know. I can't believe it. I feel like it, it wasn't, well, this quarantine has made it feel like time has gone by really slow, but our podcast, I'm just like, whoa, how do we already get to episode eight? I know, right? It's great. Soon we're going to be on like episode 30 and it's like, what? What happened? Where'd the time go? Uh, Speaking of quarantine, is there still a quarantine? (laughs) Are you quarantined? Well, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm being cautious, but if we follow some people, then you might as well just act like there's no Corona anymore. It's just fake, right? It's not really a thing. (laughs) It's it's, it's fake. Well, actually, and the reason for the spikes is those damn 30-year-olds. Those damn youngins, it's their fault. It's not anybody else's. Because they want to, uh, they want to get back out in the, in the light. And I'll, I'll tell you, so I have not been inside a restaurant to eat since this whole thing started. I've been to Still, the market. Still, you haven't? No, I haven't been inside a restaurant to eat. I've gotten like curbside pickup, but I have not eaten inside a restaurant. And then I've, but I have recently gone to like a, a clothing store specifically a, a whole earth provisions and it was fine okay. uh other than that it's just kind of the market still like going to the market for food but uh, i'm uh, i guess there's like really not really a quarantine but be cautious but again as we're going to talk about in this podcast very shortly uh, we're going to talk about movies being pushed back delayed spikes and cases what we think about that and of course it is our father's day episode so our main event's going to be father's day and dads and movies and tv can't wait and of course our blind watch oh man it is going to be tyler perry's acrimony so prepare yourself oh goodness mm-hmm. and uh yeah i can't wait but first let's get to the movie and tv updates we were talking about uh, quarantine so Texas has reopened, one of the first states to kind of reopen and shit like that. And now since they've reopened to 75%, people are doing things, everything's kind of open. There's been a very big spike in cases. So uh, each day we hear record number of cases of COVID happening. So I don't know if this is because, if it's a combination of things reopening and people going out, or if it's a 
a combination of just that and then maybe the protests where there were thousands and thousands of people with bodily fluids flying everywhere, you know, in such a close quarters. It's probably a little bit of both. Um, yeah. But yeah, the spike in cases and I don't know when it's going to happen or when it's going to go away. Uh, Susan, what are your thoughts on this whole situation? I, I agree with you. I think it's a combination of both because I knew when, I mean, literally everyone in the U.S. was doing those protests. Thousands of people were out. So that has to play a part in it. I also think, I do, I do think partly it's more tests are happening. So we're getting to see more positive results just because of the amount of testing. But at the same time, I mean, people are being irresponsible. I haven't been out like we're being careful still. I did go to one like restaurant ish. It was the wine bar and, but it was like, so times 10 seller we went to, but it was so like spaced out, cleaned. It felt very like not the same vibe. Like it was very quarantined us. Uh, but other than that, I haven't been to the bars and I hear that the bars are where it's like, there's no such thing as COVID. And that that definitely, like, people are still making out with strangers, crowding up uh, around the, the, you know, the bars on a Saturday and Sunday night. So that's probably where a big, big part of it has to do, too. But I, I honestly think at this point, I don't see Texas, like, going back. I, I think what's going to happen is they're just hoping for a vaccine soon, like... Well, vaccine won't happen soon. Maybe something to help with getting people out of hospitals. They will roll it back. They will quarantine again if hospitals are overrun. And I think that's the mm-hmm. only way it will happen, which I, I think I it might. So uh, that's what it will be. I think that's the only way that they will quarantine again is if the hospitals are so full that they're like, y'all, we can't fit any more people, then they will do it. But other than that, like the numbers can increase. They, like they don't want to act like this was a bad idea. Right. So yeah, that's their, we'll see what happens in the next, let's say uh, by the end of July 1st. And Mm -hmm. I guess we'll know what's really happening, but in relation to everything opening up, movie theaters are a big thing. And I know they've opened up some movie theaters in LA and maybe I don't think they've opened up in New York yet, but in LA they have. And now at least by the end of this month and July 1st, theaters in Texas will, I think, be back open. And because there's movies coming out, but the big one is Tenet, Christopher Nolan's Tenet, and it was pushed back only two weeks to the end of July. So I think this is kind of horrible. Like, I think Christopher Nolan needs to get off his high horse and push back Tenet completely because... Oh, you think so? Oh, yeah. No, nobody wants to go to the theaters. Are you going to go to a theater? Would you go to see a press screening of Tenet in the theater? I would go to a press screening right now, I think, if they if they were uh, – because, because I would trust that we could space things out and be a controlled amount of people. And if it was spaced out, I'd bring my own wipes, maybe my, my Lysol spray or something and try, but – Maybe I just I'm really missing the theaters. So I know I am too, but I don't think any movie is worth getting sick for or possibly right. contaminating anybody else with and then them dying. And especially tenant, like I mean, just push it back till December. Let's see how this works out. Or just release tenant 
virtually, you know, or not virtually, but um, at home, at home. What, what's the big deal? Yes. I want to see tenant in the IMAX like everybody else, but come on, this is, you know, kind of like life and death. Like this could possibly kill people by going to see tenant in a packed movie theater, even yeah. if it's at 75% capacity and how are movie theaters actually going to do this? Like it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I honestly I don't know how they're going to do it. That's that is a that's a problem. I think they're just I know they push back. Obviously they push back the Oscars to like April um which will probably like other award shows will probably follow suit and push their stuff back too. So I think that's kind of where um studios and directors are thinking like how can we match up the right date to a theater release to be able to still get in that Oscar uh, qualification. Um, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's fine because they'll be fine with uh, uh, films doing at-home streaming and stuff. But, I mean, Tenet just seems like one of those movies that's supposed to be in the big screen, have that cinematic experience, like, in a theater. But I agree with you. It's not worth losing your life or getting sick over. I just, I think they're also wondering, like, how long is this going to last? Like, if they push it to December, will this still be an issue, though? No, it might be, but a lot of places or a lot of movies have pushed stuff back to December and that gives you another six months basically to see where this is going to go. And maybe there Mm -hmm. will be different things they can implement by then, but this just seems way too soon. And yes, we all want to go back to the movies. I get it. Susan and I are the first people that want to go back to the movies, (laughs) watch movies together, but I don't see how they're going to do it. And so the USA Film Festival is coming up here in Dallas at the Angelica Theater, and they are opening for it. They are showing movies at Angelica, and I guess wow. being shown all for free. Um, so, but you and you have to make reservations for each movie and for each seat. You just can't show up. So, but still, that's crazy. It's like the only film festival that is still going to hold a film festival physically every other film festival is doing virtual virtual yes wait when is the usa one doing it it's like the last few days in june oh my god yeah like it's like a couple weeks oh it's crazy that's crazy see i feel like that they should just stick with virtual i i i understand certain movies like tenant and whatever i mean they pushed uh black widow i don't know what they decided with mulan but because uh, they're also thinking the money that they make for people to go, but also, like you said, that that brings to the point, if you don't push it back to a time where things feel a little bit more safe and calm, people aren't going to pay the ticket to go see it anyways. Right, and nobody's going to wear masks in the theaters unless, yeah. be, because people eat in theaters and they're constantly they're coughing wear- and sneezing. Yeah, no, it doesn't make sense to go back to a theater yeah. right now. <laughs> no, not right now, no. So, and I even think it's not, I think, but I think we reevaluate mid-November right before the holiday and be like, okay, so we've got this and done. We got this and done. Cases are going down. Let's try. But even mm-hmm. then, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. It is. It's, it, it, it's just, it's so hard because like you said, like for me, there's part of me, the, the selfish part of me is like, I want to go to a press screener and feel like safe there. But then I'm like, I know, it's still risky. It's super risky. Do you risky. know the people who go to our press-only screenings? A lot of them are older and cough and sneeze and all sorts of shit. 
<laughs> right, right. No, that's true. That's true. We don't want to risk anything. So I don't know. I mean, hey, I'm I'm fine if they want to send us links to all these movies. I don't mind what I got a pretty big screen TV in our in our apartment, so we can shut off the lights and make it feel as movie like no I theater agree. experience as possible. I'm into that. I please do that. And they they they've done that. They've done they did that with um uh King of Staten Island. I guess that mm-hmm. was kind of only released on demand, but I mean that was a big theatrical movie that was going to come out and they kind of Right. Did so yeah. Hopefully yeah. they will do that with other movies. And I get mm-hmm. Tenant. Yes, Tenant is a movie that you want to see in the IMAX. Like it's a Christopher Nolan movie, sound, yeah. all of that, but it's not worth it. So hopefully they push it back because I think if they don't, it's just going to be bad news. Right. And then how can tenant make money like it wants to with it not being open full time is another thing. So that's true. There you go. It won't make the money that it wants realistically. I'm still betting that tenant is going to be pushed back till December. I bet it'll get pushed back, honestly. I didn't realize that it was just pushed back two weeks. I thought it had been pushed back to September. So I don't, I think it will get no, pushed I back. No, I think it's, I think it's late July. I'm, I'm looking right now because they, at first they did late July. Um, um, I'm looking real quick right now to see when it actually is coming out. Yeah, July 31st. Okay, well they'll probably push it more is my guess too actually <laughs> i don't think i don't think that with all these spikes there's no way they're going to feel comfortable to do this because also la is not even really open at all no but they, i think they started to open theaters and i just there's no reason to do it you know yeah i'll be shocked if they actually do this it's crazy so all right, so that that's what's what's the latest in opening up in Texas and around the world movies and stuff like that. But let's get to a little fun news. Well, not a little fun news, a badass big amount of fun news. Bill S. Preston, Esquire, and Ted Theodore Logan are back together again for the third movie. Bill and Ted face the music. We've known about this for a while. Finally. They yeah. come back to the cinematic screen with a new trailer. Bill and Ted face the music. It's just so wonderful to see. Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter together again. <laughs> Very excited. Very excited. Susan. They look great, by the way. They look really good still. They do. Well, of course they do. I mean, they're yeah. Alex Winter and Keanu. Well, Keanu Reeves doesn't age. <laughs> Dude still looks like he's 25. <laughs> yeah, he looks awesome. And Alex Winter looks great too. And uh, so. What it looks like in this new movie, Face the Music, the Bill and Ted might have daughters and they're trying to save them. They go through time. There's the phone booth. Death is in there from Bogus Journey. Uh, and it looks like they might go to alternate timelines, alternate realities, because they mm-hmm. find themselves in prison all beefed and uh, oiled up. <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, I'm excited about this. I, I mean, we need Bill and Ted right now. Be yeah. I'm excited. I'm a, I'm a big Keanu Reeves fan, so I, I, I am. I did. I haven't watched a Bill and Ted since I was like a kid, so I almost kind of want to rewatch the the films. Do you re Do you rewatch them? On oh a God! Movie? So they they recently like put out a big collector's edition Blu-ray of both movies, oh. and Excellent Adventure is still like one of like the smartest, best films of like 1989 like it is or in the 80s and 90s it still holds up completely the music's fantastic they are great i actually just wrote an article on the 10 best bill and ted quotes and um there's some really good ones and going through them and like realizing how intellectual their jokes were back then it is so unbelievably good (laughs) so highly recommended still even bogus journey is great um I like both, but yeah, Excellent Adventure is like next level, like time travel, uh, explored new themes and tones. It's just it, really, really genius, really. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I, I'm excited for uh, just to see what they do with it. I, I guess I'm a little hesitant because I just hope you never know what to expect. I just don't want it to be like a bust. Like I remember how excited I was for Zoolander, the whatever Zoolander Zoolander 2 yeah I was like what was it called again I tried to forget about it I was so excited because I absolutely loved the first Zoolander it's one of my favorite movies and that was complete shit like it was so bad and it looked good though like the trailers looked good I got really excited and that's what happens with these movies is like you have they were so good for its time and they did such a great job with it but for some reason some of these like because they're like sequels. I would say they're sequels, spin-offy sequels, whatever you want to call it. And they don't have the same like essence or the same writing or whatever it is. Something's lacking. It just feels so off. It ends up being more like what they think the audience wants instead of like what they had originally. See, I would disagree with that. I would say that they kind of keep it, keep it the same, but it's us, the audience, who are changed. We've grown older, our taste change, our, you know, our sense of humor changes and what might've been funny back then, but they still try to do it uh, to keep it, you know, the similar tone. So I I think with Bill and Ted, they're going to do it right. Um, I just don't see Alex and Keanu letting go of their, their characters that are so iconic go to waste. So I think they're going to do a really good job. And we actually, on this, on the podcast network, we had uh, Mark Isham on, who is a composer and he composed the music for this Bill and Ted uh, face the music movie. And he was talking about how uh, amazing it is and how great it is and how serious they play it, which makes it even funnier with the music style. So yeah. um, So I'm very excited about that. I hope, I hope. I have more hope for that uh, than what I thought of uh, Zoolander 2. And I, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I want to go in with lower expectations so I don't get my hopes up. That was really, but I, I was like, when I saw the trailer, I was like, cool. Like, I, I want to see it and I hope it's, I hope it's good. No, I think it will be. I think it will be. Um, 
Let's move on to a little bit of another TV movie update, which is just so weird. Happened yesterday. It was in our text thread. <laughs> so um, I guess Hollywood is making a Princess Diana movie, a, a Diana another one. narrative. Yes. And Pablo uh, Lorraine is set to direct where Kristen Stewart will play Princess Diana um, in a movie called Spencer. Uh, so, oh wait, the movie's called Spencer. To play, yeah, Pablo Lorraine is set to direct and uh, Kristen Stewart to play Princess Diana in Spencer, a drama that shapes up to be a hot package from the virtual cans market. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what any of this is. Do I like Kristen Stewart as a person? Sure, but as a Actress, no, I can't think of anything oh. I've liked her in. Not at all. Nothing you've liked her in. No, and I I watched Char- the new Charlie's Angels. I, I was gonna watched... ask. I, th- I actually liked her in the new Charlie's Angels. I was surprised. You didn't I like didn't. her? No, I didn't. I, I hated that movie too. But well, uh, I, I didn't like her in Adventureland. I didn't like her in the Twilight movies. Uh, I did. I I wanted to like her in that oh the American Ultra, but I didn't like it. Just, oh, I, I didn't don't know. like that movie at all. I hated that. So I just, I just can't get behind it. But maybe with this movie, maybe the acting chops will come out and we'll see something that I've never seen in her before. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I'm a little surprised they are casting her as <laughs> Princess Diana. I'm not. Uh, she makes I- money <laughs> for movies. Yeah, but, okay, the thing about Kristen Stewart is I've yet to see her not be Kristen Stewart in a movie. Like, from the first, the first film I ever saw her in was Speak, which is like, it was a Lifetime premiere. Actually, she did a really great job. It's it's really a good movie. It had Michael Arenagro in it, and um, it was about a girl who, she had got uh, raped, like, the the summer before and then after her rape she didn't tell anyone she and then she just stopped talking lost her friends lost her like spirit and everything like that and Kristen Stewart did a really good job of that I was like wow wow but I didn't know who she was then I proceeded to see her in the Twilight series Adventureland American Ultra all the all the stuff she's been in and I realized this is just how she acts she just acts this kind of quiet awkward looks like she's gonna puke all the time like i don't know this really it's it's her thing and it's not bad it's just it it's it's just nothing special like most of the time like i it worked for bella i guess but i think i did like her in adventureland i did like well i mean her character was kind of like sucky but i think she that worked for adventureland and then and I like speak. And then I thought it was a breath of fresh air to see her, her character in Charlie's Angels because it was slightly different. But other than that, she's literally been the the same person. There's been other films. I know she was in Still Alice. I thought she was not great in that. There was I watched that movie, Seberg Seberg or whatever recent this last year. I didn't think thought that was. Just her being her. You're giving me all these reasons why you don't like Kristen Stewart. <laughs> I my point is I just can't see her being. I I hope she proves me wrong because I you know I I very much believe like we shouldn't judge until she actually does the role 
and she could be phenomenal, but Princess Diana is not awkward. She's poised. She's eloquent. She's confident in who she is. Like, I, I would love to see her do that. If she nails it, awesome. Going in, I, I haven't seen anything to think that she will do that role right. Has Kristen Stewart done an, uh, an English accent, British accent? I guess she did it in Snow White and the Huntsman, I suppose. Oh, yeah, I can't that's remember. True. That I movie, totally I tried to block that movie because that was so bad. Well, it was not good. The <laughs> only thing people remember from that movie is the affair she had with the director, the married director. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that was the big scandal of that. That's all I could see when I watched that movie is, yeah, you were sleeping with the director who's married. And to this day, I don't believe she ever was in a relationship with Robert Pattinson. So. No, for sure. And that, that happens in Hollywood a lot. Did yeah, where they lie when... Yeah. Oh, whoa, that. Oh, yeah. Yes. I was they, they, I was going to say they lie a lot, so, too, about relationships to promote a, like, franchise. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So, so I can't yeah, wait to see I, a picture of her as Princess Diana. <laughs> yeah, wait, so do you think she'll do a good job? What are you thinking? No, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> prove me wrong. <laughs> no, prove no, me I wrong. Don't. That's, that's kind of how I feel. Just prove me wrong. I will eat my words. If you are great, I will be the first person to be like, I was wrong. <laughs> you nailed it. Uh, so, yes, that's, that's yes. <laughs> Kristen Stewart, weird news for sure. Oh, yeah. boy. Um, and then, uh, but, right, but right before we get to uh, the last bit of TV update, um, both, uh, or at least I watched Spike Lee's The Five Bloods, but I believe, uh, Susan, you got to do a Q&A with Spike Lee and Delroy Lindo and a couple of the other actors from The Five Bloods. Was that, was that cool? Did you get a lot of questions? What was it like? I, I didn't get a question in there. It was, it was really cool. Um, it was for the, the Critics Association and they, um, they did like a Zoom Q&A thing where, yeah, it had Spike Lee, uh, Delroy Lindo and Jonathan Majors, uh, who, who were in the film. And they just, they, actually I was surprised with how long uh, Spike Lee let the group ask questions. But so I think about eight critics got to ask a question. Um, and, but yeah, it was, it was cool. It was live. It was like cool to just be sitting in on a zoom chat with him. Uh, and it was, it was a great conversation. I thought mostly I was, I was really impressed with the, how much Spike Lee was, well, I wasn't surprised he'd be so passionate about the film, um, but just how, how much he wanted to keep talking about it. I thought, I, I, I don't know. I thought it was going to get cut short. I really did. But he kept going like, one more, one more. And, Spike Lee's uh, a big movie fan. Like not a lot of people yeah. don't realize that, but that dude loves movies, like passionate about movies. And um it's yeah. cool to see that happen. Um, did you submit a question? Did No, and that was the thing. So you had to submit a question beforehand, and I hadn't seen it yet. It wasn't mm-hmm. uh, out. So if you – I just I didn't get to – I didn't know about it until, like, before the, we got it out. Otherwise, I would have requested to see it sooner. But I watched it the night before the Q&A. So um, I would have. I would have loved to submit a question, but I was happy just to be a – like a part of it and just uh you know 
listen to him. He was That's really cool. funny. Yeah, he was really funny about uh, very enthusiastic about people voting. By the way, no, I'm sure. No. <laughs> Everybody needs to be that way. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, well, that's cool. That's cool. I'm glad you got to do that. I uh, can't wait to watch that either. I haven't watched it yet. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah. now our last bit of news, uh, I know our, our weekly, our episodic section, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Susan, the uh, correspondent for <laughs> The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. What's new? I like to keep you informed with this, Brian. I know how much you love this is the only like time you get to know what's going on. <laughs> Susan is so good at this. I don't need to watch the show. Oh, whatever <laughs> excuse you have. Well, I will say I am disappointed in these three hour. They advertised it as if you haven't seen the bachelor, don't worry. Now you'll get to watch a full season, three hours on one night. Bullshit. That's not what ha- is happening at all. They are, they're doing highlights for whatever they feel. They're like cherry picking what they want to show of the season, but it's not giving a good story. Like it's not encompassing the whole season very well. They're leaving so much out. So like this last uh, week they did Caitlin Bristow and they didn't even show her engagement to the guy she picked. And I don't know if that was to spare the feelings of her new relationship or the guy that's single, but it's like if we already know what happened. If you're going to show the whole, like what actually happened in this season, you need to not worry about other people's feelings. Uh, But so the only thing I really like about it that they're doing is they're doing like zoom calls with some of the contestants and we get a catch up on their lives. So I do like that part of it. I like hearing how the people are doing they think they did a better job with Sean Lowe. He was the first one and they did a better job showing him because he's the only bachelor that ever picked his pick, married the girl he picked and he's still with her. They have three kids. They live in Dallas. He's my favorite bachelor. And uh, <laughs> yeah, well, cause he was great. Who's uh, the one that owns first- the bar here? The owns the bar here. That 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 board. Oh, game that's bar? Chris Harrison. That's Chris okay, Harrison. Okay. He's just the host. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he's the okay. host. Um, but Caitlin Bristow is cool. One thing I will say about her season that's so icky that we relived this week that was terrible. The show ever did worst thing is that they decided to have two girls be like the first night. The men had to vote which girl they wanted to be the Bachelorette. So that first night, 30 men come out of the limo, they meet the two girls and they get a vote. Who's going to be the bachelorette? The worst idea ever. That's so <laughs> disgusting. I, I can't even, I can't even wrap my head. I remember at that time I was repulsed, but it's even worse now watching it like that. Especially, let me just tell you how Chris Harrison goes up to the girl, Brit, who is not selected. He goes up to the girl and says, well, Brit, the men have voted and they have decided on their bachelorette. And she's like, yeah, like covering her mouth, like, Oh my gosh. And unfortunately you are not that woman. He literally (laughs) says that to her. It's like, unfortunately you are not that woman. Oh, And she's like, (laughs) 
made him phrase it that way. Why wouldn't you just at least at the very least go up to her and just be like, hey, Britt, I'm sorry. They decided with Caitlin. Like, let's make this as quick and easy as possible. Then he drags it out. Oh, of course. It's reality TV. <laughs> it's so terrible. And then she goes and cries. And the only and another thing they didn't show, they didn't show that actually one guy leaves the show that episode and goes chases after her and has a relationship with her for like two months. So anyways, it's it's not that great. You are not that woman. You are not that woman. It's disgusting. I cannot believe they said it that way. It should be on a shirt. Unfortunately, you are not that man. Unfortunately, yeah. you are not that woman. Yeah, but it's literally and you are not it. You are not the one. They do not love you. Like they, they would rather they would rather have sex with uh, Caitlin than you. Is basically what they're saying. <laughs> so it's it's terrible. But um, I mean, I think it's great. It's great if you've already seen The Bachelor and Bachelorette. Then then it's kind of fun for you because you know what happened. But I think if you're a newcomer and you're thinking this is the best way to get a recap, no, just skip it. You're gonna be lost. So, Susan, question time. Okay. If you were this woman and they said that to you, what would your reaction be? (laughs) I would be speechless and my body would probably go like numb. And I think I would just be really quiet. I'd be like, oh, okay, okay. I just want to go. And I would go in the limo and they, you know, the producers will probe you to, you know, try to ask you questions like, how are you feeling? Do you feel rejected? Do you feel like a loser? And then I'd probably start crying like Brit did. I'd just cry and I'd be like, and that's where you, that's, and they're smart because they know they'll ask you these questions. I'd probably be just like how every girl is when they're crying in the limo. I just want to be loved. Why can't I find love? It just never seems to work out for me. Part of you would want to like, you know, be like, you missed out. You chose poorly. This is the best you'll ever have. And then <laughs> X like suck it <laughs> to I everyone would, and walk out. <laughs> that would not be me. There, there's no way those words would come out of me in that moment. I would, I would, in those moments, I go to the like, I feel like small. I feel small. I don't feel like uplifted. It takes time to get there. Is that how you would feel? You'd feel like, well, fuck you, suck it. Or would you feel no, like. No, I think so. I just think oh, like, wait, wow. you miss like a. You, you, you missed out. <laughs> Enjoy <See>? your. <laughs> That's not how I would feel. I feel I would, like after. Good you night. Just, and good I've, luck is what I would say. <laughs> yeah, I think because immediately your mind would go, or at least my mind would go. I wouldn't think about the people that did vote for me. I would think, "Wow, thirty men voted no for me. They voted for the other girl," and <laughs> and then I would just. No. But it's disgusting. They shouldn't even think that anyways. It's like, it's so horrible. Uh, you know, I would be feeling very small. That's how I would feel. Oh, Susan, but you're not small. You are oh. amazing, gigantic presence. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Don't ever feel small. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'm just curious because, I mean, you put yourself in their shoes and like, oh, God, like I would imagine like at first you're like, 
when you say you go numb and like everything starts to tingle yeah. and like everything's in slow motion. Just oh, yeah. get me the fuck off this stage. I just want to <laughs> go. I would want to leave so quickly. I'd want to get in that limo. I'd need some Kleenex and I'd just be like, I, oh, it would suck having to talk about it. I'd be so, actually, no, I'd be more than anything. I'd be so humiliated. That's how I would feel. I feel just super rejected on national television. <laughs> part of, that's that's part of the bachelor though that is what it is that's another reason i wouldn't go but i mean even even so i wouldn't even want to be the bachelorette i would suck at it i would suck so bad do you think you could be the bachelor do a really good job of being the bachelor and have like 30 women have 30 women but you'd have to make sure the here's the part that would be hard for me because i would say i would know very quickly like my top five probably right out the gate and I don't know if I could uh, fake giving the attention to somebody like early on. Because you got these early weeks where you have to act super interested in people that you're not interested in. I think I would be interested in everyone. Like I have this weird ability to be interested and like find out about people because there's usually more to someone than like on the surface. And well, I would just like probe with weird questions and then kind of get to the bottom of it after a while because I'd just be real interested in like, Oh my God, there's 30 women who want to date me at one point. <laughs> but but I think, I think you're looking at that from the aspect of like our job though, where we don't have to invest emotion and you're looking for, if your intent is to actually look for your future wife, you have a different mindset than that. As I get that, I would be interested in just, I, I'm always interested in just having like, you know, especially if someone's interested in me, I'll be like, sure, we can talk. But if I'm thinking I've got a month to get to know my future husband. There'd be this part of me that's like, oh, I'd rather go like, like it's really hard. Like I, I know I'm clicking with these people and I, and then not even just that, I would also feel bad. I think that would be the harder part. I'd feel bad leading people on. I'd feel bad making them think that I have a connection with them and then only to send them home that night. He wouldn't say like, look, it's, it's, uh, it's not me. It's you. <laughs> no, I think that's, that's the other part that would really kill me. I would hate to, I don't like to hurt people. So I was terrible at like ending, uh, guys. Like I only went on like a couple dates with, I was like the worst at being like, I'd always, my thing would be ghosting or just being like, uh, I'm so sorry. Actually, I'm not dating right now. I, I have to focus on my work. That would be my go-to. Focus on the, I'm focused on my writing. It's, it's. Because yeah. I couldn't, I didn't have the balls to be like, I just don't think we have that connection. Oh, well, there you go. That is our, that is our news updates. I'm glad we dove into that. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Let's move on to our main event. Our main, our main, our main topic. Uh, dad to the bone mm-hmm. fathers in film and tv susan take this away what uh you had some some good topics under here yeah so just in honor of father's day i figured let's talk about the best dads in television and film you want to start with the best dads in tv and film right now or you want to start sure. with movies or let's start TV? with tv start okay with TV, tv for sure all right so the one one for me that always comes to mind, I think that is a really great dad in television, mm-hmm. um, is 
Homer Simpson. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, okay. I have well, what, him are you thinking? On, what are you thinking? Well, because I have him on the worst list. So. You have him on the worst list? I think well, he's I a thought Grace about Potter. it. Okay, yeah. okay. T- t- then tell me, tell me, tell me. Well, well okay, I don't take away from your list. Huh? Well, well, okay, first of all, I'll, I'll say why I think he's yeah. great. Go ahead. So Homer Simpson, he is a father. <laughs> he is a father. That's true. And he works a job he hates to support a family. And he, yes, he has a very quick temper. He's an idiot. And he kind of messes up a lot. However, he always realizes the error of his ways and becomes that great father by the end of every episode, making everything okay. And he truly loves his wife. He truly loves his kids, even even the boy. And the boy. <laughs> the boy. And I really think he is kind hearted. He's just adult. He's just an idiot. And uh, <laughs> I really think there's like a lot of trueness and realism in that character like how and like even like in certain episodes where he's like he's on a level that of most of us are not like when like dealing with grief he goes through the levels of depression and grief like instantly and even dr hibbert mentions it it's like oh my god (laughs) you just went through him in 10 seconds and like a lot of people can't do that but I think he's quick to forget and love you again. And I think that's why he's such a great father. That's a good argument. Honestly, I was debating it. I was debating between on the best and worst list, but he chokes out Bart all the time. He like Bart deserves to be choked out. <laughs> no, he does not. He does not deserve to get choked out all the time. Like it's ridiculous. And I, I just couldn't. The literally almost every episode, he's choking his son to the point where he's like, ah, ah, ah. like I mean, I don't know if I can qualify that as a as one of the best as one of the best. It's one so, of the best parents. He's 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 taking charge for sure. <laughs> and so, you know, he can be neglectful. He can be rude. And I knew I know he loves his kids. He's definitely. I don't. You know what? I I I'm not gonna. I'm gonna take him off my worst. I'm just. I don't think he's the best. Yeah, I changed her mind. <laughs> I, I'll take him off the worst because you are right about at the end of the episode, he finally, he, I do believe he loves his kids and he, he does finally have, and that's the thing I love about the Simpsons is they, there's some of those animated cartoons that like the heart is missing and Simpsons has always had the heart because I think deep down, yes, Homer loves his kids. He loves his wife for sure. And that's, that's with all the characters they'll do, they'll, They'll mess up a lot and they'll be selfish, but by the end of it, they realize that, you know, other people are more important. So. Right. Right. No. Yeah. But go ahead with your TV (laughs) list and take that away. No, no. I, I, uh, I liked, I I like that we had that interaction because I would have never guessed you put them on the worst list, but. uh, Yeah. But I, that's, uh, I almost put them on the best. And now when you say that, it's like, he's just not going to be on either list. He's middle. (laughs) He's middle. I think he's one of the best dads in the <laughs> world. Um, another TV dad that I think is really good, who's um, uh, is Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince. I have him on my list. Okay, okay. I just think that he exudes, you know, what's right, and he's funny. He's know when to be disciplinary. He knows how to love his kids, and he's funny as shit. Um, mm-hmm. And he just really cares about. The family that's like what his, his big thing is absolutely 
Um, and another one, TV-wise, who, let's see here. Um, yeah, go. I'm going to go with those two right now. If I think of one, let, I'll let you know. You, you go with okay. your best. All right. Well, this one was hard because TV, there's so many. I had probably more uh, great TV dads than film dads just because I really grew up with a lot of them, but also just in general. Um, so Uncle Phil was on there for the same reasons you said. Also, Carl Winslow from Family Matters. I think he's a great. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, he's just a great. He's funny. He too, like even to Steve Urkel, who can be one of probably one of the most annoying characters of all time. He still is so sweet, even though he gets frustrated with him. He treats him like a better dad than his own parents. Right. And um, I don't know. He also instills like important, valuable lessons in every episode that I that I like. Um, also, Danny Tanner from Full House. Come on, that dude is, uh, that is definitely uh, one of the best TV dads. It's just funny that it's Bob like, Saget. It's just funny that it's yeah, Bob Saget. Yeah, who's like, it, I know, and I know he's like, in real life, he's like a perv. Not not a perv, but like crude, crude, he's crude. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's a great TV dad, and he's very clean. I like that his neatness and organizational skills as well, but... Uh, and it probably gives one of the best heart to hearts to all his children. Um, okay. This is uh, from Everwood, Harold Abbott, and Andy Brown. Even though Andy Brown could also probably be on the worst list because he he made some mess ups as a dad. <laughs> yeah. But overall, by the end of the show, he definitely is one of the best TV dads. Just from how he tries to step it up. Um, Jack Pearson from This Is Us. I don't care what Boo. you say. You are insane. He's one of the best fathers. Oh my God. I love him. <laughs> um, did you watch the OC? I did watch some of the OC, not all of it. Sandy Cohen. He is an amazing dad. He freaking takes in Ryan and yeah. And the guy is stands for all the right things and I just I loved him. Uh Veronica Mars's dad. Oh yes. Keith Mars. Keith Mars. Yes. Awesome dad. That that dude with his wife being as sucky as she was. Right. Um he was so good to his daughter and an amazing father. And I figure you might like this one, Ned Stark. <laughs> <laughs> I would put Ned Stark in the middle. Yes, he was a good father, but man, yeah, that dude would just like, the first scene of that show, he beheaded somebody for not like bowing down to him. <laughs> well, he got, he gets beheaded himself, but as a father, he's great. And yeah, think about the spoiler alerts for people who want to watch, um, who end up wanting to watch this show and haven't Game of seen Thrones? it. I'm sorry. It's too, what? Game of Thrones. Yeah, Game of Thrones. Well, no, no, no. I'm just saying for people who haven't watched it, it's just um, there in the first season. You think one of Ned Stark's flaws is that he one time had an affair, and that's where Jon Snow came from, and that's why he's like this bastard child. And that was one thing I remember when I was watching the first season with uh, Trevor. I was like, oh, I don't like that he did that. You know, it's always this one little stain on him. And when you find out what really happened. You're like, man, Ned Stark is so great. Like, he's such an awesome man. Like, he was a good father. He was a good father. Yeah. He's a good father. 
Um, and he's one of those characters I've never, like, I can't believe how quickly I loved a character and how quickly he went away. <laughs> yeah. That, Such a short time to, to love that character. Anyways, those are my TV dads. <laughs> well, good deal. Good, good, good. I'm, I'm going to add a couple of them as well in there. Okay. I'm going to add um, Phil Dumphy from Modern Family. I think he's a great dad. I like him. I just like his interactions with Luke is wonderful. (laughs) And I'm going to add uh, Bernie Mac from the Bernie Mac show. Great dad. Uh, Bernie Mac show is wonderful. Uh, I like, I like those both quite a bit. Um, And okay. So are we doing worst TV dads now? Do you want to do that or best movie? Let's do worst TV. Let's do, yeah, let's do worst TV. Worst okay. TV dads. All right. So this one, this one I will say is a little cross between both, but I just think he's kind of a bad father in a way. Okay. But I love him so much. But hmm. Al Bundy from Married with Children. Yeah, he's a terrible Hilarious father. he provides, but I just think he just doesn't care about his kids or wife. No, he uh, doesn't. That's on top of that. He's so terrible to his wife, too. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. Okay, one from you. Um, Just one? Okay. And I don't have a lot on this one, but uh, I think that Peter from Family Guy is a terrible father. I do. So when we were talking about Homer Simpson, I wanted yeah. to mention Family Guy. I'm like... Peter sucks as a dad. <laughs> he does. And that's what's lacking compared to like uh, Homer Simpson is Homer actually cares about his kids. And I feel like he really does love him. He doesn't treat like the way Peter treats Meg is just so terrible. And Homer has never been even an ounce, like even with the choking, <laughs> I still think Homer is better to Bart than Peter's <laughs> ever been to Meg. Like it's just. But they don't even know Meg exists. <laughs> yeah. It's like Meg is tear. Like, like they just, they're not, and they're not that much better. They're, they neglect all their kids. Like, like so horribly. Like it's just, they're not great to Stewie and they're not great to Chrissy. I mean, I like, ugh, it's just like, he's not a great, it's a funny show. I enjoy the show, but he's a terrible father. He is. Um, another one of mine, I would say from Game of Thrones as well, Tywin Lannister hates okay. his kids, wants terrible to kill his father. kids. <laughs> terrible father. <laughs> Absolutely agree, which going on Game of Thrones, I got to, I'll raise you a Stannis Baratheon. Oh, yes, Stannis Baratheon. (laughs) For what that's, oh my God, that episode when he burns his daughter. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, that was insane. Ah, oh, 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 Brian, you don't even know. You don't even know what, like, what Trevor witnessed with when that scene was happening, I was like, what, what? I was like, are you kidding me? What did you do? What did you do? I was just freaking out. I was freaking out that poor innocent child. And Oh, I never forgave that red bitch. I was so pissed at her. That was her. And then she's all like, Oh, this is did the wrong thing. Blah, blah, blah. No shit. Like, that was infuriating, infuriating. That poor little girl. Ooh, you want to talk about a terrible dad. And the I'm only just, thing I, 
I I'm mad at is that we didn't get to see him really die. I'm just excited that Game of Thrones had this effect on you. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. So you did did them. I'm going to say, unfortunately, I think this character is excellent and I love this character so much, but I think he's a poor father is Donald Draper mm-hmm. from Mad Men. Okay. I never watched that show, but I will take your word for it. He's not good. No, he's not a good father. Uh, really a good husband either, but he is awesome though. I, lo- I love this guy. Um, and I think everybody does too because he's so, there's layers to him. And th- he has some good qualities in him, but as a father, I just don't think he's that great of one. Yeah. that Okay, I believe you. Um, I think that, so this is from Gossip Girl. I'm assuming you never watched Gossip Girl. You'd be wrong. I have reviewed, I think, an episode or a season of Gossip Girl. Oh, a season. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, two of the worst dads on that show. Well, an obvious one is Chuck Bass's dad, Bart Bass. He is like the most evil, like doesn't like, doesn't even like his son. I think he blames his son for like his mother's death or something like that. And he's just like, he's a absolute ass like it shows um but on top of that rufus that's the one that like in hindsight he's just a terrible father he doesn't even notice what his kids are doing half the time he cares more about his music and his love life than he does really about his children so yeah he's a terrible father too Agreed. Um, I'm going to put George Bluth Sr. from Arrested Development on that list. He's a terrible dad. He just just does not like any of his kids. He's trying to escape from house arrest and prison all the time and constantly throws his kids under the bus. He's just a terrible father, but he's funny as shit, though. (laughs) My final one is Dexter. What? I think he's a great dad. Not at the end. Not at the end. What did I miss? Did you watch the series finale? Yeah. Terrible, terrible series finale? Yeah, yeah, it was one of the worst series finale ever. What exactly? And a big part of that is because he gives his son to, I think her name was Hannah, the, the girl he was with at the end of the series, and he goes into a storm. He goes into a storm. I would have rather he just died, honestly. He goes into a storm and leaves his son with a, you know, a let's not forget what she was. She was like a murderer herself. And like just leaves like, yeah, I just, you, you take care of him for me. And then come to find out he's just like living in isolation with a beard now. And he's perfectly fine that his son is being taken care of by essentially a stranger, in my opinion. Like they did not build enough of a relationship for that son to feel like that woman was a mother. I agree. They they kind of fucked that show up towards the end. But Mm -hmm. he's supposed to be like, you know, he struggles with his... uh, his conscious if he has one or his feelings when he's supposed to have none. So I, I get the serial killer aspect of that. I love the show. I've been to, I just hated that final like episode and so it was so bad. It just made me so angry. I had trouble sleeping that night and I just thought that was so stupid. Like at the very least, 
if you want to be with that girl, that's fine. I didn't like that character, but, but you could have kept with your, stayed with your son. Like, why would you, that bothered me so much. I just didn't like, I didn't think, I didn't think it made sense. It just didn't make sense what he did at the end there. It didn't right. make sense with his character for everything he was doing. And he had become much better by the end of it. And to him, to me, it just showed like, it was like, screw it. I'm just going to go in isolation. Like, I'm, this didn't make sense. So, um, the last one I'll mention, and I want to know if you think he should be on the bad list or the good list, because I'm okay. torn. Walter White from Breaking Bad. Well, I don't know if you know this. I've never watched Breaking Bad, but I know. <laughs> Susan. I know, I know. <laughs> What are you doing? I, uh, you got to watch I, uh, this show. This and Mad Men are some of the best television series ever to be put on television. <laughs> I hear Breaking Bad is really good. I don't know about Mad Men. I think I'll eventually watch Breaking Bad, but... Um, you should start now, like today. It's one of the best shows ever made, and so is Mad Men. You, well, you would specifically like Mad Men quite a bit. You think so? For one billion percent. Well, from what I hear, though, I hear Walter is a horrible father, is what I've heard. I would disagree. It's right in the middle, okay. though. But no, it's, it's in the middle? Way. Yeah, it's, you, you need to watch. You need to watch. You need to watch, Susan. <laughs> so you think he's a good... You No, you're saying middle. He's middle. He's right? middle ground. Like, there's a lot of really good aspects to him. But the show, because, you know, he's a, a chemistry teacher, it's kind of... A, a re, the, whatever big reaction makes a bigger reaction. So it's kind of like a descent of his character. So it's like over the course of like almost six seasons. So yeah, you should watch the show. There's only 10 episodes in each season or actually not even that. So how should... many seasons are there? So I think truly, I think six, but the last season was split into two. So, um, but like the first season, I think is only like five or six episodes, and then they I think they go to ten. But okay. they're forty two minutes each. You should definitely, uh, Susan. Oh my goodness! You're when you, when you watch it, you're like, how did I not watch this before? Okay, okay. Trust me, it's, it's it's next level. Um, okay, so those are TV dads, best and worst. Let's do movie dads, best and worst. What All are we right. starting with? I guess let's start with the best. All right, the best. I've got five. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, you start then. All right. Um, Jim's dad from American Pie. That's on my list too. <laughs> <laughs> I think he is so adorable. And though he pops in at like the worst time at the beginning of every movie, uh, he means well, and he truly just loves his son and just is a good dad. I think that's a, that's a good dad. I agree. American Pie changed the comedy landscape uh, at, you know, in 1999 with its sexually explicit humor and gross mm -hmm. out gags about, you know, a group of high school seniors who made a pact to get laid at prom. And the main character, Jim's dad, is just an excellent follower of Eugene Levy, who's geeky and nerdy, but he has a wild streak too. And then no matter what his son gets into, he has this way of making it seem okay and to talk about anything with. And even at an American wedding when he's giving Allison Hannigan advice, 
Uh, it's just yeah. so good. And yeah. I mean, no matter what his son does with a, con- a sock condom or a baked dessert, <laughs> it's just, it, the, he is such, exudes coolness, even though he's so geeky. Yeah, I know. I think that's what it is. Like, he's just, even no matter what his son does, he's, he understands. He finds a way to, to, to sympathize with him and be like, it's okay. We'll just tell your mom we ate it all. (laughs) (laughs) Just tell your mom we ate it all. (laughs) It's so great. Yeah. I love it. All right. All right. Uh, Go, go. All right. I guess you want me to go or do you want to go? I guess I'll go since I have uh, one more than you and you had Jim's dad. But um, you said you did see Life as a House, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Kevin Klein's character. I know he wasn't a good father before, but when you watch that movie, he's totally a great father. That's that, a sad movie. movie. It's so sad. It's when you think about it, it's almost like manipulation. Like that, there's that line in the film where he's like, so you did all this. So I would like you. It's like, I didn't do this. all Like, just so you'd like me. I did it. So you'd love me. And he was like, well, congratulations. Cause you fucking did it. You fucking <laughs> pulled it off. You fucking pulled it off. And like that scene just guts me. And I, I mean, it's true. It's just like, finally, when, you know, he's facing death, he, pulls out all the stops like about what's the most important thing. And it's a son. And he also leaves something for another daughter who, who got, well, I don't want to go into all of it, but another daughter that was hurt because of his own father. And um, it's, it's just, he's, he, he knows what's truly important in this movie at the start of the movie. And he makes up for it and he becomes one of the best dads to me. That's good. That's good. That's very good. I like that. Um, let's see. Uh, best dad. Best dad. Best dad. I'm going to say Furious Styles in the 1991 movie Boys in the Hood, played by Lawrence Fishburne. Um, John Singleton's uh, debut feature from 1990 uh, and this vital role model uh, Furious Styles teaches his son significant and tough life lessons, and he even goes further as being a pillar in that community and a strong shoulder to lean on for his son Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, and gives him advice on sex and raising kids in the streets and staying off the streets and stuff like that. I just think it's a great, great father. Yeah, that's good. There you go. Um. Another one I have is Paul Giamatti uh, in Win Win. Ah, Win Win. I remember that movie. Yeah, that's just another dad that I think he's one of the most realistic fathers, just in the sense of like, you know, they're not going broke necessarily, but they are having money troubles. And um, you just see the real what he has to do for his family as far as like, you know, by the end he's like working like two jobs and uh, what, cause I guess I don't want to, again, I don't like to like spoil the movie, but you know, he tries to work out a way to scam the system, but by the end of it, he does the right thing. And I just think ultimately also to provide for another child too. So, right. um, yeah, I think that he... That's a good one. Well, I never would have thought of that one. 
Good yeah. for you. I, by the end of it, I just, I guess I always, especially when, when he's bartending at the end of the movie, I think that's just as you realize what a provider of the family will do to make sure his family is okay. Good deal. All right. I'm going to go uh, with a dad from 1983 by the name of Jack Butler and Mr. Mom, Michael oh. Keaton. Yeah. Fish out a water tail uh, where Michael Keaton loses job. His wife, Terry Garg gets a really big, uh, executive job and Michael Keaton has to learn to be a stay-at-home dad which goes so poorly in the beginning yeah. but by the end he's like top-notch knows exactly what to do <laughs> goes from ironing uh, grilled cheese sandwiches <laughs> to <laughs> a remote control vacuum cleaner it's perfect and he teaches That's his kids life one. lessons about getting rid of his kids uh, blanket his whoopee and uh, losing the the corporate uh, race uh, picnic thing for his wife. So she doesn't, uh, you know, play in politics. It's pretty good. He's a pretty good dad. Yeah. No, it's a good one. Um, I picked uh, Mufasa from Lion King. (laughs) Mufasa. Oh, that poor kitty cat. (laughs) Still to this day, a death I do not like watching, but um, he's a great father. I mean, he's the king king of the jungle right there. So That's true. Yeah. That was, he's, he was a good dad. All the light touches, Susan, is yeah. yours. <laughs> I hope your dad picks you up and shows you. <laughs> right, right. I do that to my cat all the time, actually. I'll pick her up and just be like, do the uh, circle of life move. But yeah, I think that he's a great dad. Good deal. Um, another one for mine is from 1993, Mr. Daniel Hillard, a.k.a. Mrs. Doubtfire, Robin Williams. That dude went to extreme him. links to see his kids, no matter extreme. what. Um, I, I agree. Yeah, he, I mean, most people wouldn't do anything to see their kids if they got divorced. This dude went the extra mile <laughs> to see his he kids. Did. And even though there's a, you know, a weird thing about it, but I mean, he loved his kids and he would do anything for them. And he was, he was a good dad, even if he wasn't a good husband. I agree. I agree. It's funny because uh, some people have him on like a a worst dad's list because they'll they'll argue that it was creepy and, you know, manipulative and all this stuff. And I'm like, Nah, I look at it in the, that's, he so desperately needed to see his kids more than what he was being offered that he didn't mind dressing up as an old woman yeah, just to spend more quality time with them. It's a great movie. Great, great, great character. Oh, so good. Um, I like that one. Um, Steve Carell in A Beautiful Boy. That. Oh, look at you. Look at you. I mean, <laughs> come on. That's like the ultimate, like, I mean, it's based on a true story. A father who does not give up on his, like, meth addict uh, son. Like, this, like, it's just, or what is it anyways? It's like, Dr- I always yeah. forget well, it's a drug addict, but yeah. I try to think of this act. It's all drugs anyways. He's, he needs to get high all the time. But the fact that he 
it's such a frustrating well when you're watching that movie you already feel like he's a lost cause and i just it's so hard to watch steve Carell's character constantly like we'll constantly not give up on him but then like needing to and it's just it's yeah that's that's a father that's yeah that's that's good stuff um and my my last pick for best father um is from 1988 mr robert anderson in license to drive with the two corys um (laughs) he is so funny and so great and has excellent jokes throughout the movie um Mm -hmm. And Mazur, Richard Mazur played the dad perfectly. Um, and it's still so funny. He allows his son to give a, a, his crush Mercedes Lane a cruise in the classic car and toasting to champagne to a lie where he didn't have to purchase his son a BMW. Uh, and he just, he's a good dad. I think he's the most realistic, fun dad and has it, does it in a really fun way. Um, he gets really pissed at him at some times, and it's just, oh, the dialogue and the way he portrayed him is so good, and I think he's one of the best dads. Okay, all right. I love that it. sounds good. Love it. Um, my final one is, uh, what? Oh, did you say, say something? No, no, no. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, my uh, final one is Brian Mills from Taken. Liam <laughs> Neeson. <laughs> I'm like, come on Susan. I did that even cross my mind. Oh my gosh. It's like, which is funny because that's one of my dad's favorite movies. I kid you not. I made my dad watch the movie one, like like in the afternoon one day. And he loved it so much that he was like, when my mom came home, he was like, you have to watch this. He watched it twice in one day, like back to back. Because he thought it was so good. Now, this is just the first one. Let's ignore anything after it. But what that man does to get his daughter. He kills. Make sure she's not sold. <laughs> that is incredible. That is, that's just impressive. But, I mean, I mean, maybe unrealistically impressive, but still. I appreciate He, he also goes the extra mile. <laughs> he definitely goes... The extra thousand miles to, yes, he does. Uh, to I get will there. I find you and I will kill you. I will find you and I will kill you. <laughs> and that he does. And Maybe he's awesome. the worst dad because everybody related to him always gets kidnapped. <laughs> it's him. He's the constant. That is true. That is true. But hey, he saves his daughter all the time. He does. He does. That poor woman. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's good for him. He likes killing and kill his business is good for him then. He's killing the people that needs to be killed. <laughs> sorry. It's true. I don't well, have any sympathy for people who uh sex traffic. I'm sorry about that. Sorry mm-hmm. about you, but burn in hell. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> it's horrid. That is a horrid thing. Like it is. No, I agree. You know, it's pretty crazy. It's it, it happens is, in Dallas. I know, and I don't have any sympathy for people who are a part of that. That's I cannot believe. Ooh, that's disgusting. That's so disgusting. This was pretty crazy. I agree. Uh, I just like that. Uh, yes. Okay. Worst dads now. Worst dads. Shall, shall, I have five as well. Okay. I only have three, so you can start. All right. 
uh, one of them, uh, 2007's Daniel Plainview from There Will Be Blood, played by oh. Daniel Day-Lewis. Okay. That dude was a son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> to put Sorry. it lightly, he was horrible. Uh, even like, I abandoned my child. <laughs> abandoned my boy. He just, it, because it seemed like he actually cared for um for his son for his adopted son basically but in the end you find out nope he just used him to sell oil and could care less about him he was so terrible awful. oh man <laughs> i've abandoned my child okay <laughs> that's As, horrible yeah it, it is horrible all right should i do another one or should you go yeah why don't you do another one so i only have three all right, uh, another one, 1993's Dwight Hansen from This Boy's Life, Robert De Niro, Leo DiCaprio movie. Um, have you ever okay. seen this? No, I haven't even heard of it. Holy shit. So it's actually one of Leo DiCaprio's first ever roles besides Critters 3, like his first starring role, uh, Leo DiCaprio. Before, before Growing Pains? No, his first feature film. Oh, okay. And so Leo DiCaprio and a single mother meet this guy played by Robert De Niro. And he has, you know, he has money. He takes them in because they have another kid or um, there's several kids involved. And um, Robert De Niro is the most physically and mentally verbally abusive father to leo dicaprio and it is horrid to watch like i mean it's a great movie but it is de De niro robert de niro is unbelievably good in it and so is leo dicaprio but you should see this and uh it is basically this character makes his character in goodfellas jimmy conway look like an angel (laughs) wow yeah so it's real. he's a really bad dad (laughs) yeah yeah, it's called This Boy's Life, Susan. You should check this out. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Uh, you but I, I take your word for it. Um, well, one of my first worst dads, I don't know why it was harder for me to think of worst movie dads, but um, one that came to mind was you Spectacular Now with Miles Teller. Oh, His yeah. dad in the movie is terrible. Isn't that the guy from Friday Night Lights? I think so. I think that's the one. Yeah, yeah. that actor. And, yes. And Super 8. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's that actor. Um, yeah, well, his dad's an alcoholic. I think that's where Miles Teller gets it from. But also, he so desperately wants a relationship with his father. It's kind of weird. You can tell he still looks up to him and kind of yearns for that connection. And just the scene where... Like he brings his girlfriend uh, and they, they meet him and then he's like, I'll be right back. And he never comes back. And it's just like, I just, and he just has no remorse. You know, he just has no remorse that he doesn't care. That is that he really doesn't have a relationship with his son. He's just kind of like, I care about the booze, the women and (laughs) you're kind of whatever to me. And that is just so terrible. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. That is a that was a bad one. I re- I remember that movie fondly when that scene happened because he goes to that little shitty apartment and I uh-huh. like, oh god, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. All right, uh, another one of mine. Nineteen uh, eighties, Jack Torrance and The Shining from Stanley Kubrick. Jack Nicholson. I have that. 
You oh you do? All right. Yeah. Um <laughs> run I mean, of the mill father with a happy wife terrible. and a cute son. Yeah. And then uh it just goes all downhill. Brutal axe chase, abuse, murder. <laughs> just it goes downhill fast, Susan. <laughs> it does. It does. You know, I've always do is it just the like the stir crazy and the isolation that makes him this way, or was it it was the hotel that like or what was it? it was a combination? Well, like, it's a, well it, in the film at least, because well, you know, the very last shot of the film of the picture from 1920 shows him there still, mm-hmm. uh, the young Jack Nicholson there. So it's because he had trouble beforehand, like he abused Danny because of his drinking. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't always a great father, but right. it just. The, I think the the hotel that had the shining kind of enhanced the evil in character. In people. Okay, that's yeah, that's what I figured. I just want to make sure if that was if it was just like yeah, yeah. No, he's terrible. I mean, if you're gonna go and try, literally try to kill your son and wife, then you're gonna be in the worst fathers list. Yes, you are. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with 1994's Ed Wilson from Natural Born Killers, played by. The amazing, the wonderful Rodney Dangerfield. He was the dad to Juliet Lewis in that movie. Uh, and he was so horrible. The whole scene plays out exactly like a sitcom with laugh track and everything. And it is he is so horrid and abuses and sexually molests everyone in the scene. <laughs> it's so weird. And of course, yeah. Ew. No, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, Mickey and Mallory get their final word before Mickey takes Mallory out of that situation before they go on their murderous spree across America. But uh, yeah, Roddy Dangerfield, crazy, crazy, excellent performance from him in that movie. Terrible father. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, my final one is Denzel Washington and Fences. Did you watch Fences? I did watch Fences. Oh my God. I hated his character. He was so awful. He was horrible to his son. I mean, I know like there could be that whole thing that he was like toughening him up or whatever. I I don't really know, but it didn't show. He obviously was having an affair and he was... I mean, him and his son never got... Like even when he like passes away, his son is like not that upset about it <laughs> he's like i hated him he's like i hated him i'm like i get you man he sucked and denzel washington is so good at playing a good dude and a bad dude like he's just he, he is dude he could do it so well he's that is one of the most versatile actors because you can also say one of the best dads is john q denzel washington and john sure. q <laughs> sure. Well, even I mean, he's even a great dad in Remember the Titans. I yes, mean, yes, he is. He's a he's a great he's he's. But Denzel Washington is just an amazing actor. First yes, of all, he, he, yes, he is. Training Day. I hated his character in Training Day. I absolutely hated him, but he was phenomenal in it. And right. uh, but yeah, like in Fences, just as a, I did not think he was a good father or a good good husband i mean you can argue he provided for his family but i think there's more than just providing for your family to make you a good like husband and father you have to be loving too 
It's pretty, yeah, he's so good. I love Denzel. Yeah. Can we get Denzel on the show, please? Oh, please, please. <laughs> I would love to just like uh, gush on him the whole time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're just so great. <laughs> it is so good. Um, all right, my last worst father. Uh, the absolute worst father in cinema history, I think, is Jerry Blake from 1987 in the movie The Stepfather, um, played by Terry O'Quinn, who played John Locke in the TV show Lost. Uh, this sadistic guy would somehow work his magic into the hearts and minds of families who had just lost a father, and he became the bright, shining star they all wanted, but shortly after, Jerry would viciously murder the entire family, including kids and women, and then just move on to the next family. <laughs> That's a terrible father. <laughs> that is, which is crazy to me that he never like stuck around to like have a kid with one of these people because he was always just a stepfather. Not that, right. that you're still a father, of course, but uh I, I never saw the 18, 1987 when I watched, which I'm sure you think is terrible. Yeah, the, the remake with uh, the Nip Tuck guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nip Tuck guy. Um, yeah. The chick who, what's her name? Amber Heard. Amber yeah. Heard, yeah. Yeah, so, which I liked the movie. I thought it was fun. Right. Um, but yes, he's a, I know for he sure. crossed my mind too. Terrible dad, terrible. So if you saw that one, you should check out this 1987 one because it's excellent. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, no, yeah, you are sure. Does he yeah. kill, he kills the dad too in the 1987 one? Yeah, he kills everyone. Yes, mm. he, yeah, it was crazy. Um, it's horrible. It's insane. All right, so that's our, that's our Father's Day main event uh oh no 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 we have to oh, no, final yeah, question true. we do i'm so sorry about that we'll tap <laughs> on something like i forgot about well i was like we had one more just who do we see from fictional father figures um who do we see our dad in them i'm not phrasing that right at all <laughs> <laughs> so the, 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 what the question characters is, do yeah. we see in our fathers in our own dads what characters yeah. do we see in our own fathers um I, it's a mix really it's a mix yeah. between i think noah levenstein from american pie and homer simpson from the simpsons for my dad oh, i really okay. do think that because they're both they're funny they dance ridiculously and my dad, you know, like, I think it's like growing older, you're like, oh my God, like he's a... <laughs> That's a good combo. For oh, I think dad, it, it, it I is. Take... Yeah. I think, because I th- he, he always does right. He always does well, even if he has, you know, you know, everybody has little flaws, and but they're funny, you know? So I, th- I think a, a little cross between those two, <laughs> for That's sure. That's good. That's a good one. I had a combo too between three but really only because i'm gonna say kelsey grammar just in general like but only because of the way he looks i told i tell my dad all the time kelsey grammar looks like a white version of you like i i watch any kelsey grammar like frazier or movie whatever and i see my dad like my it looks like my dad but like white my like imagine a tanner kelsey grammar and that looks like my dad Okay, but but uh, my combination is more. I when I see Uncle Phil and Alan Thick, uh, <laughs> step in by growing step. pains. Oh, growing pains. No, growing pains. <laughs> uh, the the way they are as dads is 
because he's he's got more of the like i think his name is jason siever um that lightheartedness he's not quite as stern as uncle phil but i think he has the like morals and values of uncle phil and then like that slight goofiness and funniness that uh that jason siever kind of has so those are the two that kind of remind me might have been I like that. I like that. Now I'm just going to call your dad, uh, Kelsey. <laughs> Kelsey I Grammer. tell him all the time. I'll show him. I'm like, that looks like you. It's so weird. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know we had Kelsey Grammer in the room. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right. Yes. Uh, glad we got that question. Um, that is our, mm-hmm. our dad main event. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Happy Father's Day. All right, now on to our blind watch, the fun as hell segments we've been doing for quite a while where we, uh, one of us each week takes a movie we have ne- both have never seen and watch it and we talk about it here on the show and it was Susan's week this week. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so Susan, take it away. Well... And we did something a little different this time. We actually watched it at the same exact time so that we could text throughout the movie. And I'm really glad we did that with this one, especially because, um, yeah. We had fun texting during that. It was fun. It was fun because it's uh, like most Tyler Perry films, there's a lot of holes in his movies. uh, But yeah, we watched Tyler Perry's Acrimony. We and, we did. It was uh, right. Am I saying right? Acrimony. Yeah, a- acrimony, and okay. it was released in 2018, March 30th, 2018. So almost two years uh, here. Um, the <laughs> it was released through Lionsgate, uh, directed, written by, and produced by Tyler Perry. Of course, it's not a Tyler Perry movie unless he does everything, and stars Taraji B Henson, um, which is the only recognizable person in the film. Uh, the movie yeah. cost $20 million to make. And of course, every Tyler Perry makes at least double that amount in this one made almost $50 million domestically. We don't know why, but we do know why there's a formula. He has there's- a built in great audience base that is going to go to his movies no matter what. Um, so there it is. Please. First off, Susan, Tell me why you picked this and what we thought during the movie. Well, just, okay. I mean, it's no secret. I am a lifetime movie fan and there are (laughs) films that come out and that I call lifetime on, it looks like a lifetime movie on crack, which just means it's got a better budget and probably better actors but it's essentially that same kind of woman scorned or woman abused kind of thing. And, um, but you know, I like it because I feel like the woman's going to get her justice at the end. However, this one, so that's what the trailer kind of perceives it as, um, because it shows it like, uh, Taraji P Henson looks like this woman who put everything into her relationship and then her husband betrays her and used her only to leave her like with nothing. And like, that's what the trailer makes you think it's going to be. So I'm like, Ooh, I love me <laughs> one of those. Um, but 
very quickly on, you can sense that this woman is unbalanced. She is not all there. She's got some problems in the head. And um, yeah, I just, well, before giving everything away, I just, I thought it was going to be, I mean, I still had fun with it. Don't get me wrong. I still had fun with it, but I thought it'd be kind of like that. I thought it was going to be sort of like um, the boy next door, like Jennifer Lopez, that kind of thing. I hated that movie too. I know you hated it. (laughs) That movie's so bad. It was bad. It was a very bad movie. (laughs) You gave it like a one for the eye gouge. I'll never forget. Oh, yeah. I totally remember that. It gets a star for an eye gouge scene. All right. So, okay. Yes, Susan is all correct and like the movie portrays itself in one way. And then as we watch this movie, um it's it's very different. And yeah. you see and as we were texting watching it together, it's fun cuz we kind of had a lot of the same things to say while we were uh-huh. watching it. And being a tight like I think anybody else with this movie would have done it better, but it, it is Tyler Perry. So we're we're dealing with something on another level where things just don't add up. Nothing makes logical sense. And we'll get to that in a second, but yes, Taraji B. Henson plays this character um, named Melinda. And she, uh, they, they flash back to her college years where she meets this guy named Robert and he, they're just walking out in the rain opposite ways. And they just kind of like accidentally bump into each other in this fucking chick loses her goddamn mind about he it. literally hits him she's like she hitting attacks him. him she attacks him <laughs> and he's like hey boy what's going on oh, i just bumped into you let me help you pick up she's like no can you, can you imagine if that if you did that if like a woman just started like because you accidentally knocked some papers out of her hand and she just started hitting you like, you know on, on accident you just bump into each other yeah. you didn't see each other no it's crazy <laughs> And so, like, just just completely physically assaults him. And then to his idiocy, he's like, oh, she's kind of hot. And, like, you know, like, goes to her dorm room. And, like, and tries crazy. To, yeah, and tries to date her. And so back in college, when they were in their college, their young days, you know, whatever, he, like, sees another girl, and they have sex, and then she finds out about it, and she tries to kill them both with her car by running into the trailer he lives in on campus. <laughs> and then he still is like, damn, baby, I'm sorry. I Let's let's work it out. <laughs> she, she didn't mean nothing. I love you. I love you. I still want to be with you. What? Yeah, holy shit. And then cut to... 20 30 years later they're married she's got a job he he has a job but he's trying to invent this thing and she has an inheritance from her dead mother which we don't know how she died but she has two other sisters which is very cinderella like because they're the evil sister or one's an evil sister the other's a really nice one yeah i was this one that's like mean yeah yeah and so as this guy robert is trying to sell his invention and everything else it's just it just goes beyond and then he finds this girl that he had an affair with long ago a one for, girl just the one girl yeah the one, 30 course. years ago which is also terrible writing i don't know why they had to make that oh oh my god you're the girl that i the only one i slept with before like yeah she works at this company who's going to buy his invention and yeah it doesn't make sense like oh coincidence and so she helps him out to sell his stuff and she accidentally leaves her purse in the car 
when they're at their meeting and Taraji finds this and just was like, it's over. I'm divorcing you. You know, I, you don't get anything. I'm divorced. I'm done. Get the fuck out. Years go by years go by and Robert finally becomes successful and becomes like worth $150 million out of the kindness of his good heart. He shows up at his ex-wife Melinda's work, gives her a $10 million check and buys the home. They his mother's home that she had to foreclose on. Yeah. Her mom's home that they had to foreclose on to help him out, buys it for her, gives her $10 million and then she just shows up out of the blue to his fancy ass high rise condo and expects to be back in a relationship when she finds out that he is engaged to the girl he had an affair with years and years ago. From there, it takes a turn, Susan. It takes a turn. To fatal attraction. That's what it becomes. It turns from, that's that's like my thing is that for a good what hour 20 we were watching this like misery of this guy constantly failing them you know just draining her inheritance losing the house constant just like misery and then finally he succeeds and then she goes crazy like snaps she just snaps but let's also keep in mind this guy robert even like because then that's something that also doesn't make sense to me he constantly wants her like no matter what he he didn't want the divorce he wanted to stay with her no matter what yep finally when she to quote taylor swift is like we are never ever ever getting back together like she literally says that line (laughs) (laughs) no for sure she does uh, and and like, yeah, so he's, he finally lets it go and moves on and becomes a success. And that's when she's all like, oh, this is all, this should have been mine. No, it, 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 it's a snap that doesn't make sense. No, it <laughs> really doesn't. She, and so her character narrates the whole movie and like is always bashing Robert through the whole thing. Well, at some point they get married and they're going on their honeymoon on Robert's new yacht. <laughs> and oh then somehow, somehow, Susan? Somehow, the, Melinda gets on the boat. I don't know how that would have happened. That makes absolutely no sense. That's why, and it's so funny because Brian and I are texting and we're like, oh, she's on the boat. But how did she get on the boat? Did she wear like a uniform to blend in with the crew? Did she sneak on it? We don't know. Because by the time we see her on the boat, she's in this fancy ass dress with a gun in her hand. Like, and it just, it makes absolutely no sense. I don't know how nobody would, this boat is not that like, Nobody could just jump on this boat. Like, it just right. didn't make any sense. And where was she hiding? Like, that's, no, th- that's- there was a crew of, like, 10 people on this boat. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Like, it, but this is, there's so many things that didn't make sense. Even, like, you bring up the, the it was her wallet that left in the car. He says, it's like, oh, I was just showing her the truck because her dad had a truck like mine. I was showing it. What? What? It <laughs> yeah, doesn't what? even make any sense. Why would she care to look at that truck? And why would she leave her 
that you need your wallet. How'd she go on without it? Like, yeah. And the wallet's like, you know, like a big, like rectangular purse. Yeah. It's basically (laughs) purse size. That's not going to fall out. How would it fall out? Like, it's just, it doesn't, nothing. There's so many little things that deserve explanation that Tyler Perry just decides to be like, Nope, never mind. There's your two words right there. Tyler Perry. That's the answer. (laughs) And it, 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 the the last five minutes of the movie is just it goes over the top because she just doesn't use a gun she finds an axe and turns into jack nicholson from the shining yeah she does (laughs) she literally is like dragging the axe like it's a serial killer like on the like she's she's taunting she's taunting robert as he's wounded and slowly running like trying to run and she's just slow walking dragging that thing like him and get you she gets a good shot in too she does. a good a good axe chopping and then death by a hilarious way by an anchor and in the very beginning of the movie she narrates always something weird with water in me and i texted susan i was like that's gonna come back to play yeah yeah i thought she wasn't gonna be able to swim i i legit thought it was gonna be swim fan where you know chick is just drowning like i can't swim help me but it's not that it's no, not it's not that. It's something way better. It's something so way better. better. I'm actually really glad with what it was because uh, by the end of the movie, you are kind of like, oh, I'm over you. You are a lost cause. Oh, no, for sure. We, we're texting back and forth and we're like, dad, this bitch crazy. <laughs> Honestly, I actually think it's very unrealistic that based on everything that she did, the judge gives her like two free passes. Two times the judge well, even gives after, her free passes. Yeah, even after one of like the jury hearings, she like tries yeah. to attack them in the hallway. <laughs> right. <laughs> after there's a freaking restraining order. How is nobody like, uh, I think you should be in jail for like two days, maybe. Yeah, uh... yeah here are 30. Three, or here are 3,300 threat texts to the, the fiance. It's just like, what? The, the threat text alone. She, she admits to, to um, yeah. Like, that's yeah. you. You're threatening her life. What the hell? And interestingly enough, Tyler Perry takes a cue from Kevin Smith clerks and puts words up on the screen in their definitions oh, yeah. throughout the movie. <laughs> So uh, one of them is deranged and it was really funny. I'm like, oh shit, it's about to get real here. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely didn't that. I will say I appreciated like I did like the fact of what they like she she was narrating and constantly trying to be like, Can you believe he did that? And you know, like I you know, trying to narrate like a essentially a villain, but we're seeing is a perfectly decent human being and essentially a really good guy by the end of it you're like oh wait this dude's just good and i think that was i appreciated that because i do think that happens a lot with men or women right like even if you're in the wrong you're going to describe that person as like crazy and messed up like they screwed you over even when that wasn't the case but i don't something and that i still was waiting for like a twist or something better to happen from that no there's no twist don't hope for it we kept thinking this was going to be a usual suspect kind of thing where it turns out that i I actually legit thought it was going to be that she had never even been in a relationship with robert right i thought she made it all up 
and that when she showed up to his door, I actually thought that was going to be the turning point of her, him being like, hey, who are you? Oh, yeah. No, that would have been better. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been so cool if it was just like, I'm sorry, I think I remember, like, I, like I knew you in college. Yeah, we went on, like, a date or something. Right. And then it would have been, like, she made up everything else. No, so this movie clearly deals with severe mental illness, but Tyler Perry does not explore any of it. Like, it's just like, she crazy, and that's it. (laughs) That's it. We get get a little bit that apparently her dad had a temper issue, like anger issues, but he could control it better. That's what they say. He could control it better. He could hide it better. But that was it. We don't know. Like, it would have been nice to know, did did her mom have that issue? Is there a mental illness in the family? Like, he doesn't dive deep enough to, like, really explain his character's reasoning for anything. I don't even know why Robert really stayed with her. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. (laughs) Because they don't really show true moments other than like there's not like real moments where they connected very deeply other than like they hook up um and you know you can chalk it up to like young love but that's about it i don't know why they love each other i don't know why that there's so much unexplained no there is no it's crazy and so a little little box office news for you for this movie. Uh, this movie was released the same day as Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One, the, you know, the video yeah. game action movie. And Acrimony came in number two behind Ready Player One. <laughs> wow, good on you. That's not bad. <laughs> I mean, it's, and that is the question is like, why do these films, like what is it about Tyler Perry that it doesn't matter? He's going to make money even when like his films and don't get me wrong i do actually like some of his movies so that's another reason why i did pick it is because i liked alex cross uh no why did i get married the first one okay okay i actually liked that one and the family that prays i remember enjoying that one uh some of his one thing i think the thing about him is sometimes he does some of his dialogue is actually like realistic sometimes like i think he can pull that off but i don't know he can't he hasn't quite like meshed it all together correctly i don't know there's something that he misses that that it's it's the it's the holes it's like these little holes that he doesn't fully um i can't i can't think of the word it just doesn't it's not a full narrative i guess no, yeah, it's 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 weird. Uh, they're bad. He has the right thing. idea. That's the thing, though. He has the right idea. I appreciate what his like his intent is. He just never executes it fully right. Right. Oh, I agree. Maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. All right. That was our blind watch, Acrimony. Please find that. It is on. Um, where is it? On? Hulu. 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 Watch it on Hulu. And now for next episode, it is my turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't hey, wait. Hey, you had fun with this. I did. I, we got it. We got to watch it together. I love that shit. Yeah. Um, all right. So now we're on to our honorable mentions, the stuff that we're watching. We want it. That's out right now that we want to tell you about. Um, first off, 
Uh, last episode, I talked about Becky, the the thriller horror movie with Kevin James. Um, Susan watched it, and I loved when she watched it because she texted me all the way through it <laughs> late at night, and it was so wonderful to get her text as the movie went on. So, Susan, please tell your thoughts about Becky. Did you like it as much as I did? I did like it. I was like... Um... I didn't expect the gore that it was going to have. One specific gore, which was the eye. eye. (laughs) But it was done in such a funny fucking way. Oh, even thinking about it, I couldn't even watch it all. Like, it was so intense. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't believe it. I was like, ah. But um, I think you kind of nailed it. What it would be. I think that would have been such a fun movie to watch at Fantastic Fest, either like in the theaters or at but it'd be really fun to watch it at home just so we could like talk through it but it'd be great <laughs> in theaters um i love movies like that i love a good um especially once well i won't reveal it once a certain death happens in the movie it ignites like vengeance yeah and I am so there for it. I bet that when something happens like that like just like the John Wick of you know puppy's dead get them get them all and that's how this i felt i was like get them girl and she did she did she she took all of her arts and craft pencils and (laughs) killed well you kind of yeah you explained it really well in the last episode that it's like home alone meets uh rambo and yeah (laughs) i spit on your grave (laughs) i spit on your grave yeah definitely and it was amazing and i love the way she kills, um, well, the final, I mean, come on, everyone knows, like, the way the final death is awesome. Yeah, and Kevin James, out of nowhere, King of Queens. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I believed him as a villain, for sure. He was... No, he was good. So, for those of you listening to the podcast, if you go back a few podcasts ago, you can listen to an interview with the director, the filmmakers, of Becky and a lot of really fun uh, behind the scenes info about the movie. Faux show. So Becky, go see it. <laughs> it's a- yeah, definitely. I recommend it. It was fun. It was a fun watch. I liked it. I'm glad you watched it. All right. Another one we would you mentioned before, The Five Bloods, Spike Lee's new movie on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what I like about Spike Lee so much as opposed to, you know, I like Christopher Nolan, but Spike Lee just wants people to see his movies no matter what. He doesn't care if it's in a theater or at home. Like, you know, in these times, put it on Netflix, Christopher Nolan. But like Spike Lee released this amazing movie that would have been so good in the theater, but he released it on Netflix. And it is, it's one of my favorite movies of the year so far. It's, it's his Vietnam war film that still coincides with the race issues today that we're facing. And he does it perfectly with oscar worthy performances excellent filmmaking and uh director of photography stuff like that music is excellent and one of the coolest scenes ever in the last 10 years of movies is when these four older men are dancing and the cameras following them in the club it's just like a (laughs) happy feel it was so good loved it yeah, I agree. It's uh, I said it's the first Oscar-worthy film of the year for me. And at this point, I think uh, Delroy Lindo deserves Best Supporting Actor. I don't know. That's going to be a tough one to beat for me because he just did so phenomenal in that role. 
He is so good in that role. And I've watched Delroy Lindo for many, many years and yeah. I've always liked him. Holy shit. Like there were scenes where I like said out loud, I was like, holy shit, that's a good performance. Holy shit, yeah. that was a good scene. Spike that Lee was, still got it. Yeah, no. And um, I think you you said something, even that's something that Spike Lee said last night, just the power of film, what film can do. And I think Spike Lee does a really good job of using film as a tool to inform the world of what is going on in society. And it's just his movies are important. They're very important. And it's just, it's, I was telling Trevor last night too, I remember watching Do the Right Thing in my freshman year in my film class in college. That was the first time I had seen it. And you know, the, obviously the death at the end. And I remember being like shocked and appalled. And I, I remember thinking, I was like, oh my God, thank God the world isn't like that anymore. I thought that. This, I thought that. Yeah. And that just reminds me like how important it is for Spike Lee to keep making the movies that he does. But God, that's sad that that is still relevant to today. Like that is, I thought I was in a living in a naive college bubble, you know, and that this is, this is the, the shit that still goes on today. It, like, it still does. Like the same way too. Like I think it was Eric Garner. You right, know, Eric the Garner. Chokehold. That was exactly yeah, the choke, Eric The same Garner. way. Yeah. Totally. Crazy. Absolutely. And, yeah. and that's, yeah, I do highly recommend, uh, the five bloods and it is it's important that's what i just feel like it's just important i agree another piece of important that we have to talk about is on youtube um 846 dave Chappelle's yeah. quick little quick. 25 22 minute comedy special he does basically in his backyard for just a few people yeah. and it's not like a real comedy thing it is him getting what he has to say out about this whole situation. And it is so damn good. It is. Yeah. We watched it. Um, it's such a quick watch, but that's, that's the only thing I want to tell people like, don't be thinking this is like his regular stand up. I mean, of course there's some laughs, but it's just, I feel like he just couldn't take it. Like he, he saw what happened to the George Floyd uh, thing. And he was like, I gotta do, I gotta say some things and it's powerful stuff. No, it for sure is powerful stuff. Dave Chappelle's YouTube stand-up, it's called 846. Mm-hmm. Um, underneath the, I think the user Netflix is a joke. But yeah, check it out. And allegedly he's going to do more of these. So I can't wait. Oh, I will watch them all. I love him. Yeah, so um, the comeback, another another honorable mention, the comeback, right? Yeah, I am watching. I just recently started watching uh, the comeback with Lisa Kudrow on HBO. Right on. I had never seen it. Did you ever watch it? I did. Okay, it's just news to me. Well, it's not news. It's new to me uh, because I had never watched it, and I was like, "Oh, why the hell not?" There's only two seasons. I'm only on. I'm still on season one. I think I got like one episode left, but I really like it. And just it reminds me so much of like a female Michael Scott. Just yes. her character is so just delusional and wanting to think the positive that she's still this like big star when she's not. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's good stuff. I think it's a short watch and I just, I really like it. And Kudrow's excellent in it. And it's funny you bring up Michael Scott because they're both in Space Force Space on Netflix. Force. Yeah. 
So yeah, comeback's good. I'm glad you're watching that. All right, yeah. let, let's let's talk about the new film that comes out uh, this weekend on Amazon Prime called mm-hmm. 7500. Yeah, um, I watched that too. Mm-hmm. So this movie. Uh, so stars jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and that's pretty much all you need to know. <laughs> and the only real person in it. <laughs> and real. it's it's got two gimmicks, and it. it's by a German filmmaker named Patrick. Uh, shit, I can't remember his last name, but it two gimmicks. It's filmed in real time, like twenty four, and it is shot all in one location, being the cockpit of a plane, and. Uh, Muslim terrorists take it over midway or, you know, 20 minutes in and try to get in the cockpit. They kill the senior pilot and they kind of wound Joseph Gordon-Levitt, the junior pilot. He manages to barricade himself in. They want to crash the plane and get into the cockpit. So he doesn't allow that. So they try to start executing passengers. So it's uh, 90 minutes or so. The movie, it's okay. There, there's some yeah. bad things about it. There's some good things about it. Some of it doesn't make sense. Like the motivation for the terrorists is like really stupid. The There's a, a very young terrorist in the movie that they try to kind of bond with and just doesn't do well, really. And it kind of plays out a little bit like Captain Phillips with Tom Hanks a little bit. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's a good comparison. But... I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I feel like could have, he, he's good. Is this his best role? No. Is this the best movie? No. Is it suspenseful? Here and there, yeah, it gets a little suspenseful. But there's like some really weird plot devices where like Joseph Gordon-Levitt and the main terrorists find themselves passed out and unconscious at points in the movie. You're just like, yeah. what? How is this happening? Why are we watching this? And by keeping yourself in the same room, when he can only see somebody on like a colorless screen. Eh, I get it, but it could have been done better. I don't know. That was my thought on 7,500. I'm curious to know what your thought is. So I, I agree with you a lot. Um, I mean, I thought it was interesting the way they showed on the footage, like obviously, cause the way the terrorists, their weapon is like you see in the beginning, somebody, they obviously paid somebody off to leave a backpack of like, liquor bottles in the bathroom and that's what they smuggle on the plane to be able to break glass yeah like a shiv (laughs) yeah which i'm kind of like i mean i guess you could do damage i there's i like that this is what like bothers so i so i do think it starts out intense and somewhere in the middle it gets a little too repetitive and it slows down a lot so you lose steam. You, you're there, the adrenaline hits, and I'm like on the edge of my seat. And then in the middle, you're kind of just stagnant. You're just kind of there because it's, it's really just the same thing over and over again, like banging on the door, let us in. Because it's, it's, because it's filmed in the same location. The, right. Nonstop with Liam Neeson was all filmed inside a plane, but it's the whole plane. And we got right. to see what other people are doing, but yes. here we don't. It, it, that's the... Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate the the thought to try to be creative that way, but it limits you way too much. I think it would have been awesome, especially when he says when when uh Joseph Gordon Levitt says, like, you are you guys outnumber them. There's only two of them. They just have glass. It's all of y'all. How cool would that have been to see the reactions of the people who are sitting there listening to this, getting a light bulb of like, oh yeah. 
we could take these people. There's all of us and they just have glass. And we know, we see that obviously one person's affected by this, right? Like, and so it's a little upsetting that we don't get to see that, like what happens there. And um, so I think, I think he just did a disservice to himself to limit himself that way and not actually let us see like what happens in the plane. Um, it takes away from the intensity too. So I think that was, um, I, I, I thought Joseph Gordon-Levitt did a great job though. I did think his performance was really great. I, I, I thought it was good, but the movie's just okay. It's just okay for me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I would have been pissed if I had to pay money to see it in the theater. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's worth watching on Amazon prime for sure. If you already have prime, it's absolutely worth watching. And, um, I would say it, it does, even though it is a short movie, it will feel like a little bit of dragging in the middle. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. And I just feel like they just made the terrorist one note. I think they kind of just like, oh, you're killing us. So we kill you. It's just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and, that's, and that's something that bothered me too, because I think that they, yeah, I don't like when they go that route. That's just like making a villain for no reason. Like, oh, we're just doing this. We're just doing this for no reason. Like, give us more more understanding i you have to show both sides to really give an impact like, yeah no for sure for sure so yeah that was that's 7500 and then the other one i'm going to mm-hmm. mention a movie that surprised me completely as much i liked it think like a dog <laughs> <laughs> you see the cover or poster to this movie you're like oh man this could not be good folks mm-hmm. it's amazing <laughs> i really love this movie it's a movie directed by uh gil junker who directed 10 things i hate about you oh my god i love that movie yeah no he directed 10 things i hate about you he directed black knight with martin Lawrence. if only uh he directed teen spirit and uh, he it was going to direct the sequel to 10 Things They Had About You, but it was called 10 Things I Had About Life, but that has been canceled. But he, has all, he also directed like two seasons of Ellen, uh, wow. Two Guys, A Girl, and A Pizza Place, uh, a, a whole, bunch of, whole bunch of stuff. So uh-huh. he knows what he's doing. So this movie stars Josh Dumel and Megan Fox and a, uh, Kunal Nayar, who played uh, Raj in The Big Bang Theory. Okay. So um, this movie, surprisingly, is unbelievably amazing and funny. Laugh out loud. I actually liked it. They did it so well. Like, I, I was explaining to Susan earlier how, like, a movie, if you see on paper the movie School of Rock, it could be a horrible movie about, you know, Jack Black going to you know, a middle school trying to teach music and it could be really stupid. You know, but it wasn't, it was excellent. Amazing. This is that, yeah. that's the type of situation here with Think Like a Dog where this young kid who might be in fifth grade develops this invention that can have his dog talk. Very similar to like Up, where the dog, you can hear the voice, but only the kid can hear the voice from some reason, for some reason. Uh and there's that, so the dog talking, like, look who's talking to, or look who's talking uh-huh. movies, is super funny. Uh, it's, 
<laughs> it's, it's, it's great. The, the jokes in it like land. There's also a realism to it. Uh, as far as uh, Josh Dumel and Megan Fox, um, their relationship as parents and as a couple is not good. Like they are on the verge of getting divorced and there's like a lot of real situations in it that make it emotional. Uh, they turn in mm-hmm. good performances. Uh, and then the filmmaking in this movie does not match up with the movie at all, but in a good way. So with this type of movie, you expect like not to remember anything visually about the movie, but holy shit, it's like mixing Michael Bay with Sam Raimi and Martin Scorsese type of filmmaking here. <laughs> Crazy camera angles and swoops and shots. You're like, what is happening? And it all looks good. And it looks like they had like a crazy budget on it too. So this movie just surprised me crazy. And it's got like a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not what? a lie. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because it's surprising on how good this movie is. <laughs> so it's going to be in your top 10. Is what it, it, sounds dude, like. it might. Oh my goodness. And it came out June oh 9th. My gosh. Oh, she sees it. She's like, oh shit. It's gotten good reviews. <laughs> There's no census or consensus yet, but uh, it is. It does have a 75, and yeah. the audience score is 73. So something is going on. Wait, I'm telling but, you, it's good. <laughs> all right, okay. I would watch it. I would watch it. I guess. I guess I have to. I guess I have to. It's video <laughs> on demand, and within the first five minutes of the movie, I started laughing out loud because I'm like, "Oh shit, that was a great joke," and then they just kept coming. <laughs> All right. Well, think like a dog. Please go find it on demand. It is actually, it's in these times, there's something fun to watch. And it, the movie consistently surprises you with where it goes. And right. the amount of movie references in the movie, like there is a moment in the movie where there's a crazy Goodfellas reference. And it's amazing. <laughs> it's you. Obviously, this is very hard for me to um, imagine. I it's hard for me to believe this, but I will if I sure I won't I won't pay for it, but I will give it a shot if it. I I will give you the sign on stuff, Susan, so you can watch it, and I will expect text throughout the movie. I will do that for you, absolutely. Yeah, the movie is self-aware and good, and yeah, I mean, they're they're so self-aware and make inside jokes about the actors in the movie that is so good. All right, all right. I'm 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 just I'm shocked. I never thought that this because I can hear it in your voice. You're like passionately (laughs) endorsing it. Like it's crazy. So all right. Well, like when because we we sent each other the poster for this film and yeah, the poster we looks like, so horrible. And I'm like, Oh God, horrible. it's going to be bad. We all talked about it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to review it. And I watched it. I'm like, and like five minutes into it, I was like, this movie's awesome. <laughs> Shocking. Shocked. I'm shocked. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I just, yes, I'm, Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, and that's uh, our episode, I think. I think, is that, is that the wrap yeah. up our, our episode eight? Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Lots to talk about. <laughs> Lots to talk about. We had a good time. Uh, we are No BS with Brian and Susan on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and Spotify and iHeartRadio. We're found all over the place. We wish everybody a happy Father's Day. Watch all these movies. Um, watch Acrimony. <laughs> yeah, do it. 
and uh, get back to us. We'd like to hear from you. Um, we'll be back uh, next time with some more good podcasting. I'm Brian Kluger. Uh, Susan, where can everybody find you? You can find me at thischicksflicks.com. Uh, my Twitter is at thischicksflicks. Instagram, um, ictn.tv, and YouTube. I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you can just type in her name. Uh, just type in my name. <laughs> type in your name. And of course, yes, you can find me on Instagram now, finally. You can yeah. find me on YouTube, Boomstick Comics, High Def Digest, and Screen Rant. Uh, yeah, we're, we're good. And this podcast, Multimedia Men Podcast on iTunes. Subscribe to us, please. Yeah. And um, we'll get to you. Uh, see you next time, folks. See ya.